0: Hey, what's up everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Crossover Commerce. This is episode 126. I'm Ryan Kramer, host of this beautiful show I like to call Crossover Commerce. This is my corner of the internet where I bring you the best experts in the Amazon and e-commerce industry, whether it be on product listings or supply chain logistics, which we happen to be talking about today. I want you to know who are the best experts in the industry, but also if you have a problem, we're going to make sure we deep dive into those topics and Maybe level up your business 1% at least today, if you're listening to this or watching to this episode. But that being said, Crossover Commerce is presented by Ping Pong Payments. Of course, Ping Pong has transferred over $150 million a day with sellers now exceeding over 1 million customers worldwide and to date have done over $90 billion, yes, billion with a B in cross-border payments. Safety, security, it's all under Ping Pong's brand. If you want to pay out your suppliers, your manufacturers, your VAs, anyone like that, go ahead and click and sign up for a Ping Pong account today. Ping Pong Payments, it's free to use, really simplifies your solutions in terms of paying out your suppliers and manufacturers. Go ahead and click on that and let them know that Crossover Commerce sent you. That being said, though, wanted to make sure that this question is one that continuously comes up today, and actually, if you were going to be following ping pong payment, social media channels, and our crossover commerce channels. You're going to notice a trend this week. There's a lot of supply chain and logistics people on here to give their insights into what is going on in the world. And that's kind of the question. A lot of people still are trying to figure out even a year and a half later. We're still trying to figure out supply chain problems, logistics problems, and how to piece all these puzzles together in one cohesive way. That being said, I wanted to bring on one of the experts. She's actually a logistics master intern, supply chain mogul, has her own podcast, specifically talks about the logistics side of business, not just here in the uh, in Canada or North America, but worldwide doing things like empowering women in the supply chain, talking about how to simplify business and to find the most effective ways to put together your supply chain, working with freight forwarders. She's also a baseball fan, uh, has a bunch of animals that she's a a lover of, and then also has been kind enough to hop on Crossover Commerce today. I'm talking about the one and only Sarah Barnes-Humphrey of Let's Talk Supply Chain, who has a podcast on Apple Podcasts and any really channel where you can listen to your podcast. But let's go ahead and bring her on the show. Sarah, Let's uh, welcome to Crossover Commerce. Thanks for joining us today.
1: Hey, how are you? I'm so glad to be here, Ryan.
0: Oh, thank you for joining me. And we were talking a little bit before this. Um, You're actually located in Canada and we were just like shaking our head. My gosh, it feels like I'm trying to uncover myself from this big pile of of, uh, emails and all these things to do. And I was like, we didn't get a chance to promote this as much as to your listeners as possible. But thank you for hopping on today. I'm sure you've had a lovely holiday weekend in Canada. Canada has their own holiday on July 1st. So, um, how was that for you? Is it nice to get away with the family or is it, do you kind of miss working at a nonstop rate with all the projects you have going on?
1: Um, it was, it was great. I honestly didn't take July 1st off. Um, my husband got Friday off, so I ended up working on Thursday. Most of my um customers are in the us and things like that so i i just kept working and then we had friday off and did a few things and yeah no it was great
0: well yeah it, and those are the kinds of things where some people just build that out and uh thanks good morning lisa always Hi, lisa. uh francois, you were on her show uh link up leaders as well with francois over there at, uh Nova Land, and they're fantastic people as always so thanks for listening lisa Um, I got inspired actually uh, to reach out to you by your episode with them. So you actually talked about empowering women in the supply chain. I think when I was tuning in, you're a big proponent of that, but you have such a vast experience and background in the supply chain. I just alluded to that. Not a lot of people, I think, uh, go into this industry or go into logistics with, I'm going to do this for a living, or I'm going to figure out this huge puzzle, Mm -hmm. especially now, in this day and age, what was it like? Why would you why would you put yourself in uh, this position to, to work with people in this segment of the business and shipping, receiving crate forwarding, logistics is one big puzzle, right? So are you big? Are you a big puzzle fan? That's the first question I'm gonna ask.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I guess you could say I'm a problem solver. But like, we've been talking about logistics and supply chain at the dinner table since I was probably nine years old, or even younger. Um, Really? And so I kind of say supply chain is in my blood. Um,
0: Why is that? So was your was your family in the business or um, were you just
1: my dad owned a 3PL or he owned a freight forwarding company. And so they would come home and talk about it at the dinner table. And so I've kind of known about logistics and supply chain my whole life. And it really started off with me wanting to take over that company when I was, you know, 16. And I knew that that was logistics and supply chain was just my path. Um, I was going to go to college for police foundations or private investigation because my grandfather was a detective in the Scotland Yard. And I wanted to That's really cool. follow in his footsteps. But I hate the sight of blood. So that That would be a a
0: problem. Yeah, right. (laughs) I was gonna say a lot of people uh, (laughs) went in college when you go uh, the university I went to is big in physical therapy. And one of the first tests they put you through is looking at a cadaver, just because to open it up, know the muscles and tissues and things like that. And if you can't handle that, maybe not the field for you. So blood, probably not the best field to get into.
1: And honestly, (laughs) you know, I looked at I looked at college university, and I was like, I, I wanted to go to university for softball, um, but nice. that didn't happen because I had missed my chance um, while I was. What do you mean by that? My, so I was living in Vancouver at the time. My parents okay. moved to Toronto while I was um, in the middle of high school. And so I finished off high school on my own. And so I didn't really have anybody, you know, really telling me what I needed to do to sort of make that a reality. Um, unfortunately. Um, And so when I looked at college or university outside of that, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And so I was like, you know what? I will go and be reception at the company and learn as much as I can while I'm working. So I did courses by correspondence over 10 years. I ended up with several designations, diplomas, you name it, in a variety of different, different things, but mostly around supply chain. So freight forwarding, customs. Uh, supply chain management. Um, and then I finally got my designation in international trade.
0: That's fantastic. So with, so you're a baseball fan, you wanted to do that. Um, I'm a big baseball fan as well. Um, and, and grew up playing it my entire life. So, uh, but yeah, I, I understand like your passion was in sports, but then you have to try to figure out, I think this is a big thing with athletes, right? We've had a couple guests on this there. Um, we had Ashley Armstrong, who's a big, she was an international uh, skier, actually, in Canada. She was training to be on the hmm. Olympics team. Uh, she and her family were a bunch of skiers. She would train, and the injuries would pile up. But she learned a lot of, about business through those kinds of efforts. It was, it was amazing to hear her correlate from being an athlete mindset over to business. And like working hard, resiliency, practice, um, it's okay if you fail as an athlete you know that you're going to fail more times than not, especially in baseball. And this is where I relate to the most is to be one of the best players in general. You can fail more often than you succeed yeah. half less mm-hmm. than half the time. You can succeed 300 times out of a thousand and still be a professional athlete. That's one of the few times in the sport. It actually is forgiving In logistics and supply chain or in business. That's not as forgiving of an industry as, as athletics. So what did you actually apply to? from your, um, athletic background into business?
1: Um, I don't know if I did it. I, it must've happened organically. I mean, I've been playing softball since I was five. I was a competitive synchronized swimmer in high school.
0: Really? Okay.
1: I've always been in sports. Right. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. I, and I, and I continue to play, right. I continue to play volleyball. I continue to play softball. And so I don't know. I think just organically, everything that I've learned from baseball has sort of transitioned into entrepreneurship and business and logistics and supply chain. Like you said, you know, never being afraid to fail, you know, taking risks, right? I take, I take more risks than I think a lot of people <laughs> <laughs> Some people are sometimes people are like, you're a little crazy. But I'm like,
0: When you take this test, you're the one who's like, we'll take risks for uh, opportunity at a bigger payday or a higher earn out instead of the guaranteed amount, right, the lower amount, but you might be w- more willing to take a risk. So in- interesting. So how does that apply moving forward? That's logistics shouldn't be a risk taking entity, right? It should be almost a more consistent, you know what to expect. But here, I would say maybe the last two and a half years, maybe Two years or so, um, with obviously a global pandemic, but also just kind of this growth of not just e-commerce but just global commerce in general. How are we? How are we less taking more risk, but more optimizing it so that we can grow and, and build our business? What What are you seeing on your end as the as the foremost expert in this space? You talk about it daily. What What are we seeing in this last in these last two or so years or? So? Or so.
1: I mean, logistics and supply chain is risk wherever you wherever you look, right? Because it's a risk with a supplier, it's a risk with a product, it's a risk to spend money on that product without sales. You know, it's a risk uh, moving the goods because all sorts of things can happen, like a container can be sent overboard off of a vessel, right, never to be seen right. again. <laughs> um, there's a lot Get of your difficulty.
0: diving equipment out. Yeah, exactly. Get your diving yeah. equipment.
1: There's a lot of different risks that happen in logistics and supply chain. Over the last 18 months, we've seen huge shifts. I mean, we've heard about so many containers overboard that, you know, we don't ever really hear about. We have experienced, um, you know, COVID at the port of LA and Long Beach. And so there was 1800 people off for COVID at one point, which obviously all the vessels were kind of stacked and they needed to be offloaded, and so that took a while to clean up. I think we're still cleaning up from that. The Suez Canal, right? That stopped what four hundred million dollars worth of product a day through the Suez Canal, and now and about ten percent
0: got- of the global trade was going through that port or that through that trade route. Yeah,
1: yeah, we've got Huggies, we've got bicycles that are still stuck on that vessel, and they're being held ransom because somebody's got to pay the bill, and nobody's willing to pay the bill. Right. Um, and we've seen an increase in e So in some respects, it's like a, an increase of 300%. Well, who would, have see, who would have seen that, right? You've got Home Depot going to rent their own vessel so that they can move their containers because the cost of moving products right now has gone up tenfold. So there's a lot that has been happening in logistics and supply chain over the last 18 months. And actually, I did a live show this morning and I was just talking about, you know, because tractor supply, I think the CEO came out and was like, this is going to be our reality for the foreseeable future. And I have a lot of people that come to me and they're like, how long is this going to last? How long do we have to deal with this? Especially a lot of small to mid-sized businesses right? They can't just absorb these costs that are coming at us from a shipping perspective. And he came out and he said, this is our foreseeable future, guys. So what does that look like from a supply chain perspective? How can you change things? What is that going to look like? Are you going to manufacture overseas? Are you going to manufacture here? Are you going to source raw materials locally? Or are you going to, are you going to source them, you know, globally, it, it really wreaks havoc on every single decision, and every single thing that you're thinking about, are you going to use 3d printers more often? There's a lot to think about.
0: There's a lot of good points there. And I think a lot of those aspects would take days to just unpack and unfold. But for for the sake of an hour show or so that I have you here, what's the most fascinating aspect? I would, I would take it and break it down into all these different little nuances, right? You mentioned the, um, the backup imports, the increase with, uh, in, in general, just with e-commerce as a whole, but then also that wreaks havoc on the retail aspect. You said Home Depot renting out their entire, an entire vessel, which is no small, uh, cost if you will. It's, uh, it's, it's quite expansive and then just sheer acts of nature and acts of God. You have, product going overboard or ships sinking and people losing millions upon millions of uh, dollars in product, is is this just the perfect storm and we're just going to have to ride it up and catch up? Because I guess my first question would be for you is how do you catch up? Like, is this always going to be like work from behind or how do we, how do we lessen the pressure on the ecosystem by either introducing new aspects or products to help alleviate some of the pressure or how do we, like take some of this stream or this this river or you know even tidal wave if you will and divert some of its power away so that it's a little bit more palatable to consume.
1: I think that that's a really good question. If I had a crystal ball, I'd be able to answer it a lot better. <laughs>
0: Exactly. <laughs> to be perfectly
1: Perfect. honest. But, you know, I think that supply chain leaders, I think business owners are taking a look at what's been going on, what's working for them, what's not working for them, and how can we diversify? So, a lot of companies were manufacturing overseas for the global market. So they would manufacture in China and then that product would be distributed across the world, right? Either to North America or maybe North America and Europe. I think now companies are taking a look at other locations, whether that's globally or whether that's locally, um, as to how they can manufacture the product and deliver it to the customer. But it's not just about delivery to your distribution center. It's how quickly can we get that product into the hands of our consumer as well? Because the consumer's expectations have, they they were up before COVID. During COVID, they understood that COVID was an issue. Mm -hmm. Now those expectations are coming back that, hey, you know, I want my product. And I think for supply chain professionals and supply chain leaders, they really need to take a look at what that looks like. So where are my customers? right? Maybe my customers are, you know, in China. Okay, so manufacture the products that are going to be delivered within China in China. Maybe some of my customers are in North America. Okay, so can I do the manufacturing in North America? And where are those raw materials? That actually opens up a really fascinating discussion around diversifying your supplier base as well. Because now you're not only looking at possibly one manufacturer in China, you're looking at other supplier uh, suppliers, and you're diversifying and you can take that investment and you can invest in different diverse suppliers, whether it's from the BIPOC community, whether it's from the LGBTQIA+ plus community, you know, whether, whether it's, you know, a female owned entity, there's so much more we can be doing with those dollars. And there's so much opportunity out there that I think that it's great to see that we're now opening those horizons and seeing what's out there and who we can work with.
0: So taking more of that, going back to the risk taking aspect that we were talking about earlier in this episode, and then maybe hedging your not hedging your bets, but almost making you more stable as a business entity yeah. and diversifying it, not just around the world, um, but into different passions or different, um, you know, businesses that you do want to support, like you mentioned uh Women-owned businesses, LGBTQA um, businesses, all, all those different aspects that are important to different people and whatnot. Um, with that being said, is it is it is that kind of a hurdle that would be? Oh, that's nice to if I can do that, but maybe I worry about quality of product or things might be a little bit different if I'm sourcing from all these different places. To me, the simplistic way to do it would be have it all in, under one roof. And then that way it's consistent across the board. You can have your uh, quality inspection done all in one, how- or one location. And then you know it's going to be consistent, whatever is working or you're creating from that the location. How, do, how are we, if we want to diversify, how do we simplify it into the notion that we're not going to run into any of these like nuanced issues?
1: So, and you can have that one manufacturer, but sure. where are you going to have that manufacturer? Right. Where's your customer? Right. Right. Figure out where your customer is. Figure out where your raw materials come from. Um, So I'm not saying not to have to have multiple, but you can have multiple and you can diversify. Or you can just take a look at one manufacturing location globally and sort of figure out where that where that makes the most sense for you. Right now, with ocean freight costs being as high as, I had somebody tell me a 40-foot container last week was $22,000 US, it doesn't make a lot of sense for a small to mid-sized business to pay $22,000 US for a 40-foot container to bring in product that's not already sold, and they have no margin left after after they've paid that. So maybe for right. them, it makes the most sense to bring some manufacturing back. Make, maybe it makes sense for them to invest in a 3D printer because their product could be made by a 3D printer and the cost of 3D printing is coming down and they can, they can uh, source that raw material locally. So there's a lot of different things to think about, right? And it's going to vary by organization. It's going to vary by business, whether you're small, midsize, enterprise. The enterprise are the ones that will most likely diversify their suppliers and be able to mm-hmm. manage that, that volume of suppliers. The small to mid-market is going to take a look at where their customers are, take a look at their raw material, and figure out the best place for them.
0: Right. And, and that makes sense because of time-wise. What we always tell here is... How are you gonna turn your how are you going to work with a supplier manufacturer quickly so that time is not the issue because obviously in our wheelhouse is the conversion of of currency when you're waiting on just simply US dollar to transition over to the yuan or the INR over in India that just takes time that you're waiting for a simplistic thing of currency um, but they can't buy or hire out their employees or pay their employees to manufacture your products um, therefore you're just waiting on it. Uh, on that part of the quote-unquote supply chain to to unfold and kind of work itself through yeah it, it's just one of those like nuanced things of how do you shorten that time gap from six weeks or so when you place the order or probably even longer now six weeks down to maybe five weeks or four weeks like that time frame mm-hmm. whether you exit your business or you just need more goods into your 3pl warehouse or into an fba facility that just allows you to get your goods there quicker Um, so my question to you, Sarah, would, would, who, who's actually winning right now? Because it seems like it's a lot of chaos. Who are the people that are diversifying or who are apt and positioned to be successful right now? Is it Chinese based sellers or is it companies based in, uh, Europe where, who are the people that are going to be ahead of the curve if you will, right now?
1: Um, It depends on the organization. It depends on the business. It depends how much emphasis they've put on logistics and supply chain in the past. There's a lot of small to mid-sized businesses that leave the logistics to their suppliers. And so the freight gets prepaid. It gets here. You don't know who it's going to be with because they use a different freight forwarder every single time. And your landed costs actually end up being really, really high. So it really depends on how the organization really views supply chain and logistics and how important it is to that organization. Supply chain and logistics can be used as a competitive advantage in a variety of different ways. One of them is manufacturing, which is what we just talked about. Are Mm. we bringing it home? Are we leaving it over there? Are we moving it from China to Vietnam? I know Apple moved some of their manufacturing from China into India. And for them, it actually opened up a new consumer market. And so it made a lot of sense for them to open up and do manufacturing in India. I can tell you shipping out of India, not ideal because it takes six to eight weeks to get here. And that's just the transportation side of things if you're going to use ocean freight. But if India is a new market for you and you want to open up manufacturing there, that makes sense, right? Because then you're manufacturing for that local market, which is what I was talking about before. So I was gonna say is that
0: distance is that time frame just because of they don't have a built out uh, network or they haven't put in the the money into turning out products as quickly as like uh, a nation like China's is? or is that just because of distance what, what what's the why is there such a length of time it, it feels like that's a little bit longer than we can expect from uh like a Chinese company or a manufacturer from there
1: It is. From from an ocean freight standpoint, from shipper to actual destination, it does take a little bit of time. There's some weather issues in there Mm. um, that really, uh, you know, that that damper and provide delays, right? Especially when you're looking at LCL. They might not have enough LCL, and so they're waiting to fill up that container. Um, But but weather is definitely an issue. Um, And then just the routes over here. Makes sense. It's why I'm it um, sorry,
0: sorry to cut you off on that, but uh, okay. I, I was just curious, like why, why that distance and time? Because I know a lot of people are turning their head a little bit more to uh, mm-hmm. different nations. I know India is big in raw materials and goods, um, in that capacity, and that's where a lot of shortages coming from in China's aspect. You would think if you yes. put your your processes at the beginning of the funnel, it might might cut down on some time, but that doesn't always seem like the aspect. There's some other. I'll, side factors that we'd have to account for. So anyways, continue, I'm sorry about that.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, transit time is a really big deal, right? When you're looking at another country to manufacture in and you're looking to bring it over to like Europe or North America, um, transit time is a really big deal. So when you are looking at a new location, you wanna talk to your freight forwarder and find out how long it's gonna take for an LCL shipment, right? The less than container load, ocean freight shipment, or how long is it going to take for a 40-foot? What do their rollovers look like? Right now out of China, it's taking, I think, four or five weeks for a container to actually leave because it gets rolled over week after week after week after week because there's just no space. Um, The other thing that you need to consider, too, is labor shortages. So this morning um, on my live show, I was talking about how there's labor shortages in China. Well, there's also labor shortages in North America when it comes to warehousing. Um, so you need to also weigh your options as far as talent. The other thing to consider is that technology costs the same everywhere. So if you're going to open up a warehouse or you're going to open up a manufacturing facility and you're looking to implement some of the technology, that doesn't that that cost stays the same no matter where you open that facility. The thing that the things that differ are obviously the overhead costs, but also the costs for the people as well. So keeping that in mind, how much technology are you going to implement in that facility?
0: Gotcha. So with that being said, since there's, you said labor shortage, that's just people getting, when you're receiving the goods in ports and whatnot, that's just people in general to get those goods and those containers off boats? Or are we talking about where's that labor shortage most impacted? warehousing in general. Okay.
1: Warehousing in general. Yeah. Yeah. So is that
0: that for COVID or is that, is that just because of, um, the growth factor of e-commerce and in this industry or what's the major factor of that? Okay.
1: It's a little bit of both, right? We've had some relief packages coming from the government. And so some people, you know, have decided to potentially stay home. Um, some people have to stay home because the kids haven't been in school. Right. And so they've, they've had to stay home to take care of the family. Um, Mm -hmm. and then you've also got, um, the growth, right? So where, right.
0: Right. And I've been a big proponent of, and I've had a lot of conversations personally with other thought leaders in the space, the people who innovate and grow and can figure out logistics and supply chain at the end of when the pandemic kind of like subsides and we're not talking about it at the top of every newscast is, (sighs) Whoever's going to be we want uh, them figure, to. <laughs> right? Well, yeah, exactly. Well, again, it, whenever it's safe, and obviously, like all these other aspects of it, when when society becomes like focused on other major components, um, and this isn't such a major factor and cog in our society anymore, people have always constantly said like this is one of the component if you can figure out logistics and impl- supply chains, um, and just how to get from point A to point B quicker and more effectively, whether it's through technology, whether it's through, um, cost and, um, planning, you're going to be coming out ahead because you're going to have everyone pointing and looking to you and saying, I need to work with this company or the solution or this idea. Um, so that that's always been talked about in this regards. What, where, where, where in this processes can we cut off some of the fat, right? Where can we, where can sellers go in this, in this whole cog or this whole timeline, if you will, and we can start implementing and shorting our time window today? Is there a place where you can just instantly cut off a piece of fat and you see results quickly?
1: No, I don't think so. Cause everybody in the chain is valuable to that particular part of the chain. You gotta remember, right? Like supply chain starts with the sourcing of the product, the buying of the product, the manufacturing of the product, the transportation of the product, the distribution, and then ultimately the delivery to the end consumer. And so every piece of that puzzle is extremely important. Um, I think getting everybody to speak the same language and have the same values and share the same knowledge is where you're going to win, right? Because knowledge really is king. Um, and share the same data. So data really is the new oil, right? And as far as value. And so I think one of the, I mean, there's, there's really two places that you could start. One is data, getting your data house in order and really understanding where you are from a data perspective. That makes you more um, proactive than it mm-hmm. does reactive, And so that's gonna cut a lot of the fat because at that point, then you're basing your decisions on data. You're not actually basing it on no data, right? And just guess right?
0: So I think that's the really important part. So where do people go with this uh, this data? Is it each piece seems to, you'd have to go into weeks of understanding, like obviously sourcing and then like you said, transportation, all those major pillars in this whole landscape. You used to not have to worry about the solution and we'd be able to just find my product, make sure it gets to uh, an FBA warehouse somewhere in North America, um, you know, for local people in the United States, um, a lot of people just throw it into a warehouse and they can just store it long-term, not worry about that. But now that's not the case. We have uh, inventory limit restrictions. We have people looking at supply chain issues. Canada, I'm sure you know, is experiencing just shortages um, in people just because of fulfillment centers are mm-hmm. uh, getting shut down in general. So people have to pivot constantly in terms of where to put their goods. Um, it doesn't matter how big or how small you are in the e-commerce landscape. People are just looking for answers and the ones that have the money are kind of coming out on top, right? You have the capital resources, buy your own warehouse, figure out kind of where to um Put your hard-earned money. My question to you is for a person who doesn't have this kind of background and experience, where do where do you get access to this data? Is it just talking with people and building out your own spreadsheets? Are there free resources that we can kind of use and the numbers we need to know always consistently and just know how your books are going to be balanced? Like you said, or investing so much money and resource into our goods, we need to know how much capital margins we're working with. So we need to work, know how to work those numbers in our favor.
1: Take a look at where your breakdowns are. Where's your breakdown in communication, right? Why are, why do you have breakdowns in communication? What does that look like? What are your processes around sourcing the product, around buying the product, around moving the products? Because remember, you are in control of all of this. And so, you need to be able to take that control and to really figure out what the processes are that you want that to be. Once you know the processes, then you know what data that you need to be able to help make those decisions. Um, There's a company out there called The Classification Guru, who is Susan Walsh. She's over in the UK and she helps to sort data. So all the spreadsheets that you have when it comes to product, right? You could have nuts spelled N-U-T-S or maybe you have it as NTS, right? And so you've got them on different light I- line items, but they're really the same item. And so all of your data is all over the place, right? You wanna make sure that the data that you have is well-organized. And she's one of the people that can help you do that.
0: That's really cool. Uh, we'll have to look into Susan. We'll make sure we got to any of her website or connections and connect with people uh, for the listener out there who's listening to this in that regard. Um, a lot of my listeners also ask the question of, "What is what can we expect in terms of costs? Do we are we? You're, you're kind of in the weeds as well in terms of costs. We've seen prices continue to skyrocket. Is this something we need to plan for a little bit more effectively for costs to continue to rise and skyrocket, or are we going to see maybe a a ceiling, if you will, and then things to maybe come back down to earth a little bit more?" Uh, favorably in a lot of these SMBs uh, favored.
1: Again, I need a crystal ball for that one. But right. <laughs> the only time that the prices are going to stabilize is when there's empty room on the vessels, right. I think. Right? I, I, I think that steamship lines have record profits right now. And according to, and I'm not saying this, but according to a LinkedIn post that I saw the other day, Basically, in fact, been, yeah, <laughs> they haven't been profitable for twenty years.
0: Really? Okay.
1: I'm not getting into that discussion with you because <laughs> that that is for a whole nother show. Yikes! Um, yeah,
0: we don't have enough time to. But it's that. all
1: about demand and supply, and I, it has. Uh, I would hope that it's going to stabilize soon because I think our small to mid-sized businesses are definitely hurting because of these prices. Um, I don't believe that they would have had the margins to be able to eat this. And even if they decide to, um, turn those costs over to the consumer, which I think most people are going to be doing, um, I think they've got to be careful as to how much they're actually putting on their product that people are going to pay, that people are going to pay for. The other thing that you got to think about too, is that everybody's not at home anymore. So where we were spending our money on e-commerce during COVID, they're now gonna go back and start spending on experiences, right? Mm-hmm. So eating out concerts, different things like that. So their 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 discussionary spending is gonna be um, over a lot more different things than we had spent previously in covid and so i think that's going to make a difference to e-commerce as well so i think it's going to take a little bit of time but it's it's going to stabilize and then going back to our point about data as well looking at the different technologies that are out there so my um on my podcast i actually interview um solution solutions and companies that are solving problems within the supply chain, the logistics space. And most of them are tech companies. And so you want, if you have a specific challenge, go and check it out because you can filter by category and you can pull up an episode where you can learn more about the solutions that are out there to help you with that specific problem. And there are a ton of great technology platforms out there where you can connect with your suppliers and you can exchange data. And then you have more data that you can play with and make the right decisions.
0: Well, th- let's pivot in, into that segment too, because you said you, from your beginning in business aspects, you've learned so much. I'm curious too, from podcaster to podcaster and for a listener out there who's listening to this, why, why start a, started a podcast in the supply chain and logistics side? Because I think what, 257? Po- uh, episodes for you now I, I looked before this and i i thought i had the number down off the top of my head but it's around so, 250 episodes that you're constantly pumping on information mm-hmm. is that why, why? why do it why put yourself through it <laughs> let's be honest so why, really why enjoy- start a podcast and put yourself through
1: this i really enjoy it um so i have how many do i have now so i had 68 episodes in season one um, and season one was called Two Babes Talk Supply Chain, not Let's Talk Supply Chain. And that's a whole what happened to babe that.
0: number two? <laughs> I was so say. When, I,
1: when I started the podcast, it was back in 2016. And as a 3PL, it's very important as a freight forwarder to be able to tell your brand story. And so I wanted to do it in a, in a very unique way. Back in 2016, the marketing in um, logistics and supply chain was very stuffy. Let's just say that. And I was listening to a lot of podcasts at the time. And I thought, well, hey, if Lewis House can do it, why can't Sarah Barnes Humphrey? And so I started a podcast. I asked a guy in my customs department to be my co-host. And that's how we got started. And tongue in cheek, we called it Two Babes Talk Supply Chain because we wanted to see how far we could push the edges of the industry as far as marketing was concerned. And it worked. Um, we started featuring companies on the show. And so we've done, we've done what I had mentioned earlier right from the beginning, you know, featuring companies within the supply chain and logistics industry, um, so that supply chain professionals could really understand who was out there and what they were doing. And so in 2017, yeah, 2017, um, unfortunately my dad closed his doors and, uh, but I still had guests. I still had paying guests coming on the show. And so I lost my co-host at the same time. I lost my whole team. And so I had to learn social, I had to learn social media, I had to learn graphic design and website design. And uh, it was crazy. And my first episode out but on my own was horrible from an editing perspective, but that's okay <laughs> uh, because we all join the club and we get better. Right. But why right. do I, I just, I really enjoy it. Um, I really like being able to tell people's stories and people's brand stories and give supply chain professionals. Or even business owners, someplace to go in this crazy wild west of supply chain and logistics to be like, oh, hey, that's what they do. Okay, awesome. You know what? I'm going to give them a call because that is exactly what I'm looking for without having to Google and try to figure out from ads whether they're the right person for you or from a salesperson, right? A salesperson coming to you and selling you their software is very different than listening to them organically on an episode talking about exactly what they do and why people use them, right? One of my favorite questions is to ask them, give me a real life example of how you've helped a customer. Like, tell me, what is, what was the challenge that they had? What was the right, solution? What was the benefit? Right? right. Um, and so, yeah, I just, I really enjoy it. And podcasting, it's also given me the opportunity to create blended, the blended podcast, which is about diversity and inclusion. And so not only do we have our woman in supply chain series, we now have blended. And so we've been able to cover topics like this month's topic is going to be about transgender. You know, um, we had an episode on BLM. We had an episode, we have an episode coming up on social inequality, or what are the right and wrong ways of handling diversity in the workplace? So, and these are, these are authentic conversations. So I, I gather a group of people that have never met before, And we all lay it out on the line as to what our experiences has been. And I think that's what we need, right? We need to create safe spaces to have different dialogues and to be able to learn from each other.
0: What's fascinating about that is you're you're doing what we would do in a typical physical aspect, right? Of if I could create a case study or if I can create conversation, you're throwing people in a room that I've never met before. In this case, a digital room. And that, that's one of my favorite things about being a guest. I think my favorite episodes is always when I bring, no offense to you, one or more people. Uh, obviously, having a one-on-one conversation is one thing. But when you get a group of people together, which is always super fascinating to me, you can hear people give inaudible or I should say not verbal context to either a reaction or just a I disagree or agree with that. And then kind of passing this talking stick around as a host mm-hmm. um, and getting all these different perspectives is super fascinating for me. Makes me think that, you know, again, not everyone in the world is going to have the same viewpoint or the same perspective or even yeah. the same goals, but that's kind of the beautiful thing is that as a host, you're kind of helping tell the story. You're not the one telling the story always, but you're facilitating it, making sure it gets from the start to finish and w- hopefully one piece. Yeah. Um, what, what, what we do. <laughs> right. Exactly. I was going to say there's some emotional turmoil that comes after once you click stop record or no longer live. And you're like, what was that conversation about? Did we actually spend and have valuable time to listener out there and provide great, great context in the topic? But I'm curious for you, what are your fa- What was your favorite conversation to date um, with a guest or maybe an unexpected conversation, if you will?
1: I have so many. <laughs> there's 207
0: to go back for reference. I looked it up. 207, 200, okay. of 257. <laughs> I know there's a seven at the end, but 207 <laughs> episodes now uh, that you can listen to. So I have a little bit of catching up to do.
1: Um, you know, all of the women in my women in supply chain series, just understanding their journey and what that looked like, you know, and it, how different it's looked like for every single person. And how some people have fallen into logistics and supply chain. Some people haven't. Some people, you know, went my latest one from Monday or from yesterday. She went from banking to tech and now runs logistics for Wayfair, you know. And so I think it's really interesting to hear their paths. Every single episode of Blended has been, I think has been an emotional roller coaster for me. I think I've cried at least once in every episode, or at least after the episode, um, just because of the authenticity and how much people trust me to help tell their story. And and somebody, you know, at the end of every episode, I usually get something along the lines of, thank you, I feel heard today. And that in itself, those are very magical words. Um, and then, you know, all of, I like every single episode for one reason or another. I mean, when I get to interview a solutions provider, um, from any aspect of it, from sourcing, procurement, transportation, last mile delivery, they're all so passionate about what they're doing. You know, they're so passionate about what they're doing and what they're talking about and how they can help. And, um, that, that is always, I don't do a lot of research before I do the interview because I want to learn from them. I want to draw their passion out. I don't want to know everything there is about them. I want the audience to learn at the same time that I do. And, you know, that's what makes it fun for me. And so every episode I take something away from it.
0: That's amazing. And I agree with that in that aspect of, of all the guests I've had on the show, I've met only one of my Call it, oh, one of my um, counterparts in person, which is uh, which is super fascinating in the aspect of all of a sudden and now as the world starts to open up and you have events, which I'm assuming um, you'll be attending if you can get out of Canada. I'm still not sure what Canada's yes. rules and regulations are for escaping the country, I should say. Um, but as people open up, they're like always asking you, hey, when can we meet in person? How can we have a conversation in person? Um, and those are like, not just like friendships, but they're bonds that kind of last mm-hmm. in these kinds of storytelling. And you and I have a responsibility and platform to say, "Hey, listen, let's let's talk about the topic. Let's educate our audience, but let's also uh, make sure that we can tell it in a favorable and also a very true way." Right? I don't want anyone to come on this show and not feel like they have to, they can't be authentic, or they can say, "I disagree with that statement," or disagree with that sentiment because. This is a this is a platform that it's not just for marketing purposes, but it's education, and that's the number one forum in this world. Of there's so many different ways, and the noise is so loud. Whether it's your video, social media, however you want to consume it, right? We have to break through the noise, and it's I think people ultimately find those true conversations, and they and they stick with them. Uh, what's kind of been? What's one moment that you felt really proud of? The show that you've done, and then also maybe any of the businesses you've done—is it a certain metric or an award, or is it just having these conversations with people? What's the one thing that's really made you the most proud of doing this journey as a as a host?
1: Well, first of all, telling me 46 minutes into this that I could disagree with you at any point in time in this conversation—I mean,
0: did that on purpose? Can
1: you do that at the beginning for the next person?
0: I'll do that.
1: (laughs) Um. You know, I think when I get a message from somebody that says that they've been listening to my Woman in Supply Chain series since the beginning and how it's helped them with their career, or they've been listening to the podcast and it's helped them with their career in supply chain, those are the moments where you're just kind of like, yeah, you know, I've made a difference. I made an impact. And, you know, even if it's with one person, you know, that's really, you know, why we why we do this or why I do this. Um I think one of a really proud moment in this last week was announcing our franchise. And so because we've we've franchised into the Asia Pacific region. And so now we've got a podcast that's going to be coming out in a little bit called Let's Talk Supply Chain Asia Pack, hosted by Jonathan out of Sydney. And so we're now going to be able to focus on different regions and different areas. And supply chains look very different in different places, right? Especially from a sustainability standpoint. You know, when you think about recycling requirements in a facility that's in North America versus a a facility in the Philippines, let's say. The requirements are very different. Right. Right. And so you can't treat every single facility the same. And so it's really nice to be able to do that and to be able to unpack what's happening in supply chain in different regions and with different people. Right. Creating that family, creating that ecosystem. That was a really proud moment for me. Um, the awards are are nice. I mean, I'm not going to lie. it's It's been nice to be on the top 100 women in supply chain lists, um, but they're not what I hang my hat on. Um, you know, I talk to a lot of people every single day and just knowing that what we're doing in the content that we're putting out there is making a difference, especially women in supply chain blended um, is huge because I think the more we can have those conversations, the more impact that we can make, the more safe people feel in this industry. And this industry is full of amazing, amazing, amazing people and giving voices to those amazing people in the industry to be heard. It's not just about the C-suite. It's not just about the VPs. If we keep focusing on that, we're not gonna see diversity and inclusion at the conference level, at the speaking level. And we're not going to bring those diverse voices into the industry. And so that's that's really something that I'm proud of too, is being able to give voices to everyone.
0: Well, that's amazing. And congratulations on that. Just the diverse nature that you're bringing. Again, bringing it back to ultimately one big topic, right? In the supply mm-hmm. chain and logistics. That is amazing in general. But you're giving voices, like you said, to people who may not have had that in the first place, which is which is really tough to do. That's no small feat. So, congratulations on that thank success. Um, and just like you said, the the words and recognitions are nice. And when I got the email, podcast was number 157 in in the United Kingdom in entrepreneurship. To the one listener out there, I thank you uh, for watching or listening to this in the UK <laughs> uh, in the entrepreneur category. So, those are always kind of fun, funny little. I can't believe that that exists out there, but why would you send me that email or anything like that? But ultimately I agree with you. Um, lots of the sentiments of why we do this, the education component, right? It's you want to see value in, in the, in the information you're putting out there, but you want to educate people too. There's constantly people coming and going in this industry and they're trying to figure out, it's not just Amazon sellers, um, in this space. It's people who are coming from corporate America who are trying to figure out a new business, um, a startup and like you said in the tech space there's lots of innovation growing from there mm-hmm. um, but Sarah in this kind of like final five minutes or so that we have you what what's kind of your goal in life like what 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 do you I, you referenced it twice I don't have a crystal ball but you might have a plan or a roadmap that you want to eventually get to like if you're lying awake at nine your husband's like one's enough Sarah uh what, what what's the like w- what are we trying to do here if, if we were answering it's that all question, the
1: world. No, I was going
0: to say, you we were taking, we've franchised our podcast, which I truly <laughs> didn't know it was a thing. So, um, uh, I'm sure I will get an email in my inbox to my uh, counterparts <laughs> to diversify this podcast when we syndicate, <laughs> but what, what's kind of that goal for you?
1: Um, I want to, I was talking about this today with my business coach. I want to experience everything there is to life and the world um so one of my biggest things that i'm going to be focusing on from here on out is experiences and taking people with me to experience that with me i don't know if you've seen this but the amazing vacation rentals on netflix is my it's it's, it's in
0: my it's in my list uh i don't know if i'm mentally ready for that kind of uh commitment because i want to book everything i see i
1: know that's my that's my issue right now um but I, I definitely want experiences over things. Um, I, I, Let's Talk Supply Chain is going to grow quite a bit. We've got a lot of things in the hopper. We've got a new website coming out. Um, we've got two new live shows that I have announced. Um, and then we've got three more in the hopper. Um, and so just being able to create that content, and I will do this as long as everybody will have me because it's fun. I really enjoy it. I get to meet a lot of, like I said, incredible people. Um, I'm also looking at maybe doing a video course around how to monetize your podcast and create something like, like I've created with Let's Talk Supply Chain. So lots of different things going on, you know, as far as life goals, it's really just experiences over things. And I will do I love this that. as long as people will have me. There you
0: go. As long as there's always one eyeball in that top left-hand corner, <laughs> that I can know that one person is at least watching. Then exactly. I'll know that – then I'll continue to press start and record. So, yeah, I agree with you. I think experience, you, you talked – and not a lot of people say this. In this industry alone, I think I can speak is when people talk about buy, buy my fancy new car, buy houses, or anything like that, I, I see it more and more – daily that that's not the case a lot of people want to experience time and freedom to do things with their family whether like you said experience travel that put on pause and i think a lot of people are trying to figure out how to fill those gaps during lockdown when those are taken away and i think that's why you saw a lot of people struggle um but that being said now that hopefully people kind of reset themselves no matter what that experience might be in that time down is how do we move forward and find that true North star, whether that be like you said, experiences, building their own business, um, build, taking their brand to a whole new level, figuring out the flipping supply chain and logistics <laughs> nightmare that they're going through. One of those, one of those things people have are resilient when they get faced with, di- uh, adversity. So I think that's really cool that you are doing all these accomplishments. I know I'm a big fan. Uh, I'll continue to uh, you. follow your journey. Would love to have you back obviously. And, whatever capacity that whether it's a round table or just obviously waving that banner for women obviously in the space and logistics, um, which we didn't get to talk on as much as I would like to, but uh I'm always fascinated by people's journeys and what their goals are. So thanks for sharing that today as always. And Um, I
1: love what you're doing and I love ping pong. So I'm super excited to be signed up and you're like
0: I'm waiting for I'm waiting for some of my customers to pay me so I can use you guys. So that was really exciting. <laughs> I appreciate that. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, for the listeners out there too, check out Sarah on Let's Talk Supply Chain. Um, we can listen where everywhere. I'm assuming um, mm-hmm. we're talking about Apple, Spotify. Are we trying to move people in one one platform over another? No. Okay. No Apple or just anywhere that you choose to download or listen to the mm-hmm. podcast. Uh, you and have YouTube website. channel. In the website, of course, let's talk to supply chain.com. You can learn more about Sarah. Get some swag, which I also didn't know is a thing, and I want to <laughs> make that available. I'm gonna put my face on everything: mugs, <laughs> hats, everything. So that that's a that's a new thing.
1: Okay, I didn't put my face on everything. If you go to our shop on the website, it is not my face.
0: <laughs> Sarah, this is my show, it's all about me here. So uh, we're gonna put my face on everything. Okay. I know my boss yeah, is awesome. listening to no, I'm just kidding. No, you have a great great resource as well to, for people who can voice their opinions and obviously listen within your website. So obviously stay tuned for more exciting upcoming things that you're going to be posting about. Um, how can they get in touch with you if they want to ask a question or if they want to interact with you in any way or any of your businesses? How can they do that?
1: Uh, So go to the website. We've got some forms, some HubSpot forms on the website that you can complete or on LinkedIn. So I'm Sarah Barnes-Humphrey on LinkedIn. Um, Go and follow the Let's Talk Supply Chain page as well because we not only have my live show every Tuesday morning, but we've got two new live shows coming out monthly and then we've got three more after that that are going to be full of amazing stuff uh content on logistics and supply chain. So would love 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 to see you there. Plus we give away that swag to the most engaged uh viewer um you know and people that are commenting on our posts and things like that. So we're giving out swag on a monthly basis. So Well I have home. space
0: on, I have space on my uh shelves behind me. I always tell people there's people who want to feature swag behind me. I, I am, I'm not opposed and I will be the first in line to shout from the rooftops on one of those episodes. You'll, you'll know who it is. So, um, I'm excited about that. Yeah. But check out let's uh, TalkSupplyChain.com for everyone who's listening. Uh, it's going to be in the show notes so you can check that out as well. Once we publish this on our audio, uh, formats, but you can watch this of course on YouTube. If you didn't catch the whole thing or on LinkedIn or Facebook as well. So sarah barnes humphries thank you so much for hopping on today uh congrats on all success and thanks for simplifying some of the questions that we had about supply chain logistics today thanks so much and friend of the show
1: thank you so much for having me i appreciate it
0: of course have a great day and uh stay busy and safe out there uh we'll talk to you later awesome no problem thanks again sarah uh let me get rid of that oh my goodness so let me uh bring us one more time i'm gonna get rid of this graphic, because I'm producing in real time. Thanks, everyone. As you can tell, been a little bit rusty from the great holiday weekend. But of course, Crossover Commerce is presented by Ping Pong Payments. We want to thank Sarah uh, Barnes-Humphrey from Let's Talk Supply Chain Podcast. Go ahead and check her out on that. And then, of course, go ahead and sign up for Ping Pong Payments to help with your inbound and outbound payment solution as well. This week is action-packed. We have guests, two more guests this week. We're going to be talking with uh, people from Gatita, as well as other freight forwarders in this space. Again, we're going to, I'll tease them as we come out on social media. So that's your cue to go ahead and subscribe to our social media pages, whether it be LinkedIn, Facebook, YouTube, uh, online, make sure you follow us on those channels so you can watch and be notified when future episodes are announced and are live. That being said, I'm Ryan Kramer. This is episode 126 of Crossover Commerce. We'll catch you guys next time on the show. Take care.